The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. If you're using the Bible in front of you, you will find today's passage in Luke 17, starting on page 823. Uh, We're going to start in verse 20, and once you've found that in your copy of Scripture, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here, do not go out or follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation." Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating, drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? And he said to them, Where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. This is the reading of God's word. Please be seated. Well, you've heard our text for this morning. Verses 20 through 37, Luke 17. Sermon titled this morning, if you are in the business of writing down just uh, sermon titles, we're calling this sermon this morning, An Unmistakable Return. You've heard several times that Jesus here is going to turn to his disciples and he's talking about this, this phrase that repeats itself several times on the days when the Son of Man returns. The Son of Man is an Old Testament term that Jesus uses to refer to himself This idea of the Son of Man is this idea of God's King, God's Judge who is going to come back. And Jesus takes this Old Testament term and says, when you read about this in the Old Testament, it's about me. And what you need to know is, yes, while I'm here on earth with you, this is my first arrival. I'm going to leave you. But then there is going to be be a day when I come back. And when I come back, it's going to be an unmistakable Return And so the main idea, if you want to take verses 20 through 37 and just sum it up, I think you could sum it up with this language here. The invitation is this, don't lose sight of that fact. 
Don't lose sight of the certain return of Jesus, that this certain return of Jesus is going to be unmistakable when it happens. And here in a little bit, you're going to hear what I believe is the invitation from Jesus from this text, which is this, are you ready for that day? Will you be ready for that day? Are you ready here and now in preparation for the future unmistakable return of Jesus? Because what Jesus is going to teach the disciples here in a moment is it is very, very easy to lose sight of the future unmistakable return of Jesus because our day-to-day lives and the things that consume us in our day-to-day lives have a way of just numbing and blunting the edge of that very real reality. You understand what I'm saying there? And so Jesus is going to encourage us to stay on guard and not lose sight of this truth. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit take a truth that I think most of us grasp and understand that Jesus is coming back, but then maybe to cause it to land on us in a fresh way and to live in light of that truth, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is your word that is here before us. And my own confession, and maybe it is the confession of those here in front of me as well, is that this week we've had a lot of voices speaking to us, inviting us to believe all sorts of things. But this morning we have the opportunity to hear God speak through his word, to be made more like Jesus by his word. Lord, your word is truth, and we are sanctified, we are set apart, we are made holy, we are made and conformed to look more like Jesus by the truth, by the word. So Lord, as you speak, may we adopt the mindset of Samuel when he, in response to your speaking to him, responded to you, Lord, with the language of, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We are your servants. You're speaking. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see Jesus. Give us minds that understand the meaningful impact of these words before us this morning. Holy Spirit, empower me to make clear your word so that as we leave this morning, we can confidently say we heard God speak to us today because the word of God was spoken with clarity. Help us, Jesus. It's in your name that I pray these things. Amen. Well, the year was 1984. The actor is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the movie is Terminator. And armed with a very iconic Austrian accent, a very sweet pair of sunglasses, and a very awesome black leather jacket, our man Arnold dropped on us a phrase that still exists in American pop culture, and it's the iconic phrase, I'll be back. And saying this, in the midst of that movie, audiences were left in absolutely no doubt 
with unmistakable certainty. They might be uncertain about all kinds of plot holes or plot devices in that movie, but here is one plot device that you can rest on with assurance. Arnold is going to return. If we take this idea and we shift to Luke 17, what we discover is that King Jesus is speaking to us in Luke 17 with the exact same confidence about the arrival of his kingdom and this certain, unshakable, unmistakable return that is going to come. Now, what you need to understand is in this moment when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, you can probably sense that maybe there's a measure of confusion because he's talking about, I'm going to return, but they're like, but you're here in front of us. You haven't actually left yet. And what you're going to see here is not too far into chapter 18, Jesus is going to remind them for the third time, guys, I am heading to Jerusalem and I'm going there to die. And then I'm going to be resurrected. And then we read in the book of Acts, he's going to ascend. He's going to sit down at the right hand of the Father. And then we're going to have this time that we live in as disciples that we mentioned last week. That we as everyday disciples are expectant people. We're an in-between people. And we're living in this in-between time between the first arrival of Jesus, that first Christmas night, and that second arrival of Jesus, which is still future from us, where we're at. Jesus has not come back yet. And so Jesus is going to say something about the arrival of his kingdom, the fact that it has shown up with his first arrival, but then there's this not yet kind of reality to his kingdom. And he's saying, listen, what you need to do is to fight to make sure that in your day-to-day lives, the unmistakable certain return of me ushering in like the consummate establishing forever kingdom that I will be leading. Like what will that day be like? How should we live in light of that? How can we fight to make sure we don't lose sight of that future hope and certainty we have because it is meant to impact how we live in the here and now. If you notice in verse 20, Luke tells us that the Pharisees have a very pressing question for King Jesus. And then Luke also shows us that Jesus has a very clarifying answer for their question. But Jesus is not only going to give this clarifying answer to the Pharisees who are asking him this question, but he's going to use this question and his answer as a door of opportunity to say, Pharisees, here's the answer for you. And then he's going to say, now you disciples, here's what you need to know in light of the question that was just proposed to me. And as it relates to the arrival of God's kingdom and Christ's return, you're going to hear Jesus use this language that the danger for anyone is that anyone can lose sight of this main and plain thing. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Jesus is coming back. The kingdom is here Because the king is here, this is a plain and main thing, and Jesus is coming back. This, too, is a plain and main thing. Thus, the overarching call of this text is this. Do not lose sight 
of this reality. So, with your Bibles open, I encourage you to find this text in your Bible, digital, maybe on paper. You can look around in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a black hardback Bible somewhere. I encourage you to look at Luke 17, starting in verse 20, so you can track along with me. Don't just take my word for it. You can follow along in God's word to see what God has to say to you. And when we start in verse 20, we see this first call, don't lose sight, God's kingdom is already here. God's kingdom is already here. This is what the Pharisees need to understand in what Jesus teaches them in verses 20 and 21. So look at your Bible, starting in verse 20, follow along. This is what Jesus says. Being asked by the Pharisees, notice their question, when will the kingdom of God come? This is their question. When is the kingdom of God going to come? Here's Jesus' answer. It's a two-parter. The kingdom of God, part one, is not coming in ways that can be observed. He says you need to know this about the alreadiness of the kingdom. Nor are people going to say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So the question is, when is the kingdom of God going to come? When would it come? And so notice just their terminology of their question on the part of the Pharisees is, they've got their eyes on the horizon, they're looking way out, saying, can you give us the date, hour, time, minute, second, year, when this thing is going to come? And what you're going to see here is their eyes are so focused this far out into the future that they're missing the fact that the Son of God clothed in flesh is standing right in front of them them and so they need to have their eyes adjusted to the alreadiness of the kingdom being look at what he says there in the midst of you so the pharisees in this question when will the kingdom of god come at this point luke 17 we're 17 chapters deep into luke's gospel this question is actually really like a phenomenally brilliant question it's a really really good question because we've had 16 chapters of evidence stacking up that Jesus is more than some mere Galilean carpenter, some redneck from the backwoods of Nazareth, some wingnut who has these delusions of grandeur thinking that he's actually God in the flesh. There's evidence that is mounting up over and over again. If you go to Luke 4, Jesus showed up in the Nazareth synagogue. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah, and the prophet Isaiah says, when you see this one who's coming, doing these sorts of things, healing the blind, setting the captives free, what you need to know is the kingdom of God has showed up. When you go to Luke 12, I think it is, same kind of thing. Jesus is healing people, and he says, and the people are accusing him, well, he's casting out these demons and he's healing people by the power of Satan himself. And he says, no, no, no. When you see these things, what you need to know is that by the finger of God this is happening and the kingdom of God has arrived. And so those are just two examples of over and over again for 16 chapters and how people are starting to stand back. Okay, maybe this guy is like, we should pay attention a little bit more. And so what they're asking is, well, when is this going to happen? Okay, so let's just maybe grant the premise here that he is the king of kings. That he is this Isaiah-like one who is going to come. When is this kingdom of yours going to show up? But notice that the kind of context that this question is couched in 
for many people of that day, the category they have of the kingdom of God coming is that this is going to be like great King David's kind of kingdom. A merely earthly kind of kingdom. A kingdom where someone's going to show up and a a greater king like great King David is going to be here. Maybe Jesus is great King David's greater son. If so, is this a rival that we're about to see that we've been longing for for centuries? Are we about to witness the mighty act of God's kingdom crushing the Romans? We really want to see that. We want to see the Gentiles punished. We want to see Israel exalted. We want to see God's rule and reign on the earth established. We want a king sitting on an actual throne over an actual kingdom with Jerusalem at its head. And so Jesus says, guys, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to adjust your thinking on this reality. Instead of this idea of is it here, is it not here, what you need to grasp is that God's kingdom is an already, not yet kind of kingdom. An already, not yet kind of kingdom. In other words, he's inviting these religious leaders to not miss the forest for the trees. They're so concentrated on, is this earthly thing, is there like a date and time on the calendar when it's going to happen, consumed with the timing of the kingdom, that they are in danger of altogether missing the king himself who's standing right in front of them. Missing that since the king of kings is present right before them, this means that God's kingdom is already there in front of them. He says, it is here in the midst of you. And so while they are doing this on their tippy toes, casting their eyes way down like the corridors of time, he says you're looking past the very one you should first have your eyes set on. So stop doing this. Do this. Look right into the eyes of the king of kings who's standing right there in front of you. Now, what we see in this picture is the Pharisees' danger lives on today when folks get so wrapped up in the details about Jesus that they actually risk missing Jesus altogether. And that's really what was going on with the Pharisees. They had a category for a king, God's king, coming back, setting up a kingdom, establishing its rule and reign. They were very happy to have these as categories that they embraced, but they were so consumed with these outer details about all these things that they were missing the one who stands at the epicenter of it all, which is God's king. And Jesus is saying, as the son of man, I am God's king that you guys have been looking for. And so his encouragement was, guys, don't lose sight of this. Don't miss me because they were missing him. They were missing sight of the king of kings in front of them. And so the invitation from Jesus to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, is guys of this, don't lose sight. On that first Christmas night when the God-man was laid in a manger, the quiet, almost secret, unobservable kingdom of God arrived because I arrived. It's already here in the midst of you. Come and embrace the king. Now, Jesus is going to round the corner into verse 22. 
And if the Pharisees need to see the already idea of God's kingdom, then the disciples need to see the not yet of God's kingdom. So think about this. If the Pharisees, these religious leaders, were over here saying, man, okay, I've got this category of this future far-off kingdom of God being established here on earth, but they're sitting here missing Jesus, consumed with the details about the arrival of God's kingdom, but missing Jesus, the disciples are over here as disciples of Jesus, meaning they do have a category for King Jesus being King Jesus, for being God's Savior, for being God's King, for being God's Judge, embracing Him as Savior, trusting Him as Lord. But then the question is, you might have questions about this future stuff that's coming down the line. And so while they needed to have their eyes pulled from out here to see Jesus, Jesus says, you guys see me for who I am. Now let me help you hold your eyes out here and understand what that future day is going to be like. Okay? So Jesus shifts to his disciples in verse 22, and he gives this call, don't lose sight. Disciples, followers, Jesus family members, what you need to know is this, the arrival of God's kingdom is going to be unmistakable. When that day comes, according to the timing of a sovereign God, when the kingdom of God will come on that day, it is going to be unmistakable. Again, look at your Bible starting in verse 22. And he, Jesus, 